Thanks be to God. A reading from the prophet Ezekiel, the 16th chapter. Woe, woe to you, declares the Sovereign Lord. In addition to all your other wickedness, you built a mound for yourself and made a lofty shrine in every public square. Now this was the sin of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters were arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned. They did not help the poor and needy. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. According to Luke, the 11th chapter. Glory to you, o Lord. In teaching his disciples this prayer, Jesus also reminds them to focus on God's coming reign, God's mercy, and the strengthening of the community. Jesus encourages his disciples to be childlike in their trust and persistence in prayer. Jesus was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us, and do not bring us to the time of trial. And he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and you go to him at midnight, and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived, and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, Do not bother me. The door has already been locked, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything, because he is his friend, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks, receives, and everyone who searches, finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish. Or if the child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? The Gospel of the Lord. gospel for us. I also want to thank him for the series of cartoons he's been doing on the cover of our bulletins. Uh, so for today's gospel reading, he looked for something that he hadn't seen illustrated on a bulletin cover before, uh, which is someone giving a child a snake to eat. It's right there in the gospel. So we had part one of our six-week Bible study uh, that we're calling the Bible in Six Easy Lessons. Uh, we are doing this with our neighbors at the synagogue, KTI, along with our neighbors at All Souls uh, Presbyterian Church, 
Uh, and so I hope we learned some things. Uh, one thing we learned is that a lot of people would come out uh, if you offered something like that. Um, we had people from the synagogue. We had people who were Christians from Christian congregations. Uh, we had some Muslims who came as well to be, uh, to be a part of the discussion. Um, so I was quite gratified at uh, the sharing that we had. So we had Claudia, we had Lori, we had Rob and Missy, we had Anita. Who else was there? Lorna. I think that was it. No, and, uh, I was there. And Philip. And yeah. Martha. And Martha, yes. Yes, I knew there was somebody else. <laughs> um, so that was a, quite a nice showing, I thought. And I thought we had uh, an interesting time. So, for those of you who were there, you just reminded us all that you were there. Um, was there any lesson that you came away with? I think uh, what impressed me the most of the part of the discussion, the point was made that the Bible is not something you read with in solitary, that you uh, make up your own mind what it says, but it's not. Uh, when you read the scripture, you read it as a part of a community, you read it uh, critically, you read it uh, quizzically, so you're asking questions about it and you share ideas uh, among you about uh, what it means. I think this helped. Uh, uh, the woman who was uh, worried that uh, Eve really didn't eat an apple and what did God's voice sound like, I think uh, uh, that question was dealt with among the community uh, as people were talking about uh, uh, what it meant and what it was intended to do. I kept thinking of that uh, great line from the Book of Mormon, it's a metaphor. <laughs> Very good. Anyone else have anything that they learned from... Uh Tuesday. Yeah. I was very lucky. I sat next to a Jewish woman on either side, and I made friends with both of them, so I heard their commentary while you guys were speaking. And I've led women's Bible study for decades now, and I think that it's easy as a Christian to get a perspective that the God of the Old Testament was somehow like meaner, like he was a meaner old God, the way that the Jews would be exiled, and that Jesus in the New Testament is somehow more loving or softer. And when we were doing different quotes, and they were guessing from which, the Jewish women would say, the God of, the New the God of your New Testament, he just doesn't sound like the God we know. The God we know is loving and provides for us and cares about us and is ever faithful. But your Gospels have crucifixion and violence and all of this stuff. And I thought, oh my goodness, that was such a shift in perspective for me to realize that to them, the Old Testament God is every bit as loving and tender and caring as Jesus and God, like in the New Testament, is to us. And I love that. I have that well, shift so. in my mind. Okay. Good, good. Very good. That's a pretty good. So we began uh, the time together with a quiz, uh, which I don't know if you remember we did the quiz, I don't know if it was last summer or the summer before that, I handed out a bunch of... Bible verses and asked you if you could figure out if it was the Old Testament, the New Testament, or the Quran. Anyone remember that? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Some people remember that. Um, and so that's the quiz that I did, and that's the first time I did it with a group that wasn't entirely Christian. We kept score on the board. And we kept score on what each of the ones we put in. <laughs> and they had the same reaction which we had, which is that all the good verses were theirs and all the bad verses were ours. <laughs> Any other insights from Tuesday? Uh, so those of you who are coming, who's coming Tuesday, we're going to be talking about Samuel, and these are the books, these are the verses from Samuel, if you want to read ahead. Uh, I'll be talking about uh, 2 Samuel 12, um, the minister from All Souls will be talking about 1 Samuel 3, which is um, the call of Samuel, and the rabbi will be talking about 1 Samuel 1, 
which was, I'm searching my brain, searching my brain, I can't remember what that was. But so each of us is going to present uh, a different curriculum for that. Um, a name I want to mention to you is Christer Stendel. Christer Stendel was a Swedish theologian. He was a Lutheran pastor. He became the Lutheran bishop of Stockholm, Sweden. Um, and he did a lot of work around interfaith cooperation and understanding. And he came up with three rules to guide people who want to figure out how to work about doing interfaith understanding. Uh, the first one he came up with was that if you want to learn about another religion, go to that community. Don't go to, you know, some Christians to learn about Islam or, you know, go to your pastor to learn about Judaism. You should encounter people from that tradition. Um, so a lot of Christian congregations, they've done things like model Passover seders or something. Um, and what I've done, I've tried to do it where we go to a synagogue and they lead the model seder instead of us doing it. Um, so go to that community. Um, so the first one I would phrase that is reach out. Reach out of your own group. Um, you're le learning about other groups. You want to uh, study other groups. Uh, try to partner with them um, in doing that. Um, the second one is something we just mentioned with reference to the quiz, um, which is don't compare your best to their worst. Because I think, and I think we, we learned that we all kind of do that as we were talking, that if someone is talking about Islam, they'll say, oh, you know what it says in the Quran. There's something really bad in the Quran. Um, if someone's talking about Islam, they'll say, oh, you know, there was a war that went on for, for decades, you know, right that they initiated. So that's their worst. We could look at our worst, too, and we could say, who's worse? <laughs> you know, we had our crusades. We have some Bible verses that we don't like to look at so often. Um, so don't compare your best to their worst. Um, you know, look at your best and their best. Look at your worst and their worst. Um, or look at the way they present it and, and see it uh, in that way. Uh, and the third one, one he calls, uh, leave room for holy envy. <laughs> to be able to look at another tradition and say, wow, Look at what they do in their, in their house of worship. Um, look at what they do as part of their practice. Um, and don't you know, constantly think, oh, they don't do this and they don't do that, or we do this and they don't do it. Um, so he calls it holy envy. I'm going to say, see the good. So uh, Christer Sendel um, was a bishop. Uh, he taught at uh, Harvard uh, University. Um, he passed away uh, 10 years ago. Um, but anytime I think about doing a, some kind of activity where we want to learn about other traditions, I think about uh, those three rules that he gave to us. So the rabbi on Tuesday actually brought a little prop. He brought a little uh, visual aid um, to get across one idea. Do you remember the prop he used? How the Hebrew Bible is uh, divided in three? Yeah. So he came with, uh, you know, like we might have a little pocket New Testament or something, and he had a pocket version, it was all kind of in the box, like a little box set, uh, the three portions of the Old Testament. Um, we also kind of divide uh, the Old Testament three portions. It doesn't line up exactly, but it's very similar. Um, but he talked about their three sections. And their section is the law, the prophets, and the writings. Um, and they have a word that they use. So one thing I think we learned was that Jews don't refer to the Old Testament. <laughs> they don't say, today we're going to open the Old Testament. <laughs> It's not old. It's Dark Testament. <laughs> <laughs> it's Dark Testament or something, right? Um, so they call it Tanakh.
what they call it, or the Bible, meaning their Bible. Um, and Tanakh is actually an acronym with the three sections. Um, so if you took the, the first letter for the first portion, the law, and if you took the first letter for the second section, the prophets, and you took the first letter for the third section, the writings, you'd get Tanakh. Um, they're actually, I don't know if I even know them. I know Torah is the first one. Torah, Nabim, Ketuvim. So the rabbi has to tell us what that is, right? But he said, when they refer to their scripture, they talk about Tanakh. And more often they'll refer to which, which one of the parts, one of the three parts. So they'll say, today we're reading from the Torah. Or today we're reading from the prophets, or the Haftarah. Um, so we learn that, you know, when we use words to describe things, we're talking about the same things, uh, but we will use uh, different words. Uh, we also talked about the fact that the religion of the Old Testament is not Judaism. And I, I'd never heard it put quite that way before, but that's very helpful. The religion of the Old Testament is not Judaism. So that when they're bringing, so that when Jesus' family is going to the temple and they're bringing a sacrifice, Jews don't bring sacrifices to a temple, right? So that was a predecessor of theirs, just as it's a predecessor of ours. So sometimes we think of the Old Testament as Judaism and the New Testament as Christianity. And we kind of imagine that that's what the Jews do. That's who the Jews are. Um, when in reality, that relates to them as much as it relates to us. Um, if we're Christians who understand that that's the same God uh, and not a different God. Um, again, we talked about how sometimes we see the Old Testament, we see, oh, a God who punishes, there's wars, there's violence, there's vengeance. Um, but you could look at the New Testament, and we looked at a verse where Jesus says, I bring that peace but a sword. And we read a verse from Revelation. You know, in Revelation, Jesus is on a horseback and he's charging. Um, if we want to find violence and, and you know, vengeance, we can find it in the New Testament. Uh, Abraham almost sacrificed his son, but didn't. In the New Testament, the son is sacrificed. Um, so if we want to compare, we shouldn't compare ours in a rosy-colored way and theirs uh, in the worst light. Um, so that's important as we're thinking about understanding uh, their traditions and our traditions. So don't look at the Old Testament and find the worst of the Old Testament and say, well, that's what the Jews believe, or that's who their God is. That's our God. Our God is in the Old Testament. Our God is in the New Testament. Um, a lot of it makes no sense to us. Some of it, there's some verses that we all love that are beautiful. In Isaiah, come by without money, without uh, purchase. Um, some beautiful images of grace and gospel in the Old Testament. Uh, so we shouldn't contrast them as though one is been completely replaced uh, by a new one. Um, so don't think of Judaism as something that stopped in the first century. Judaism continued. Um, and when we get to parts um, 4, 5, 6 of the Bible study, we're going to be looking at the New Testament, and the rabbi is going to bring some, um, some rabbinic literature from the Talmud, uh, from the Mishnah, uh, so that as we see, as Christians took the Old Testament and moved forward and interpreted it and built upon it, Jews also moved forward from the first century and built rabbinic Judaism uh, with texts of their own and teachings of their own um, and a whole uh, religion which we today would understand as Judaism but which is not found in the Old Testament. Um, so there was a destruction of the temple in Jerusalem in 70 AD and that ended a temple cult. It ended a priesthood that conducted sacrifices. And emerging from that destruction was a religion that we call Christianity and was a religion that we know today as Rabbinic Judaism, um, each with their own texts. We have our New Testament 
and they have their Talmud and, uh, and, Mish and uh, Mishnah. Um, so I think that's basically what I wanted to say. Now as we look at today's readings, we have an Old Testament reading and we have a New Testament reading. The Old Testament reading is Abraham saying to God, please, if there are five righteous people, um, you know, will you destroy and, and, and destroy them along with the, with the bad that uh, you are destroying? Um, we have that as our Old Testament reading. The New Testament is Jesus giving us the Lord Prayer. So I think a lot of people say, well, isn't that Lord's Prayer so much better? <laughs> you know, or isn't it so much complete? Or isn't it so much more from God's own mouth? Um, sometimes we have an Old Testament reading and New Testament reading, we compare them, and we're like, well, this is so much better, or it's new and improved, or it's kinder, gentler. Um, so I think we should try to avoid that, and try to look for the best in both, and try to understand what's, uh, what's similar about those. For one thing, as Abraham is bargaining with God, you know, will you destroy Sodom? You know, if I can find some righteous people, you know, will you, will you spare the city? Um, he's bargaining with God, right? And we might think, well, we don't bargain with God, but we all bargain with God. If we're in a tight enough spot, we'll bargain with God. Abraham is bargaining for other people. He's not even bargaining for himself, but he feels that destruction for those people so personally um, that he's going to uh, pray on their behalf. I wouldn't say it's exactly the same, but similar is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane saying, I know that my crucifixion is coming. I know that Judas has betrayed me. I know that we're here in the garden and they're coming any minute with their torches and their clubs. Can this pass for me? You know, is there any way that we could not do this? Um, it's not bargaining quite the way Abraham is doing it, but there's a little bit of, you know, I know what you want, but is there any way that we can avoid some of the, the bloody parts or the difficult parts? Um, I think also when you compare Abraham's prayer and Jesus' prayer today, they're both focused on others in a sense. Abraham praying for the community, for the righteous and for the, the wicked in the community, that they all be spared, really, right? So long as there are some righteous among them. Uh, in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus is giving us a prayer that is of a community, so it's also praying for others. Uh, so the Lord's Prayer is not me and mine, it is us and ours. Um, it's our Father, it is our daily bread uh, that Jesus is praying for. So we're not just praying for ourselves, we're praying also for others. Uh, and I think that's an important thing to think about. Um, when it says, give us this day our daily bread, Martin Luther takes that in particular and says, that means everybody should be fed. It means nobody should be hungry. Give us this day our daily bread is for everyone uh, to eat. It's not give me this day my ham sandwich. It's give us this day the things that we need to make it through this day and to survive another day. Um, so I think as we look at those, we might think of other ways in which we could see them similar and different at the same time and not see Abraham's prayer as less than and Jesus' prayer as new and approved. Um, we can understand that Jesus' prayer is more for us and it's more particular to us and we carry that as a special thing um, without kind of putting down the stuff we find in the Old Testament as being you know, inferior or primitive or something um, as if we're always trying to compare our best to their worst, always trying to build ourselves up at the expense of others. I think we want to try not to do that. And I think what we come out with is an understanding that God's ways do not always make sense to us. Whether it's the Old Testament, whether it's the New Testament, whether it's the news we got from the doctor, the news we got from the human resources office, or you know what our kids just came home from school with, there are a lot of things that don't make sense to us. And we understand them to be from God, and we understand them to be things that God is working in the world. So we look at the Old Testament, we read stuff, and we say, why would God do that? But that's also there in the New Testament, and that's also there in our lives. 
So I think that we can always look for that. Um, and when we think about ourselves praying and we look at these texts, we can say, well, we can bargain with God as Abraham. We're allowed to do that. We might feel bad about it. Maybe it's not the best prayer, but bargaining is a way in which people have prayed. It's the way in which we sometimes pray. Um, if you think about the book of Job, Job you know, directly questions God about why God is doing what God does. Um, Job kind of protests to say, you know, why is this happening to me? And maybe that's a prayer that we can look upon in our prayer life. We might uh, bargain like Abraham. We might question like Job. Uh, we might also, like Jesus, pray for the needs of others and pray for forgiveness, that forgiveness be spread around and shared. Uh, and also, like Jesus, ascend to God's will and say, Thy will be done, as a way in which we should be praying and speaking to God. And also, in the Old Testament, in Genesis, there is this image of Jacob wrestling. Jacob wrestles with the angel and asks for a blessing. And maybe sometimes that's what um, prayer is like for us. Maybe sometimes that's what reading the Bible is like for us. <coughs> maybe sometimes life for us is wrestling with difficult questions and asking that God give us a blessing in the midst of that questioning and in the midst of those trials and in the midst of reaching out to others with our questions and seeking answers together. <coughs>